Chapter Seven of the Three Midshipmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Three Midshipmen by william henry giles kingston chapter seven to save the flag i say jack can you tell me what all this row is about between us and these wide-breeched red-capped niggers the egyptians asked adair as he stood by the side of jack roberts on the quarter-deck of the racer while the latter with his spy-glass under his arm was doing duty as signal midshipman the outlines of many a picturesque hill and white stone stronghold famed in ancient and modern history rose in the distance on the syrian coast out of the blue glittering ocean why replied jack i'm not much of a politician paddy as far as i can make out old mehemet ali wants to be the sultan of the turks and we won't let him and so charlie napier told him that if he didn't draw in his horns within twenty days we would blow his fortresses on this coast about the ears of his pachas he in return told charlie to go to jericho that he intended to keep what he got and so now we're going to do what we promised we shall have fun depend on it now i understand all the ins and outs of the matter replied paddy there's nothing like knowing what you are fighting about there up goes a signal from the flagship cried jack putting his glass to his eye and pointing it towards the princess charlotte sir robert stopford's flagship which with its powerful thunderer benbow and uh, several other lines of battleships and frigates sloops and steamers joined by a turkish squadron under admiral walker and a few austrian ships was cruising off beirut the signal for the captains of each ship to assemble on board the princess charlotte cried jack hurrah the fun is to begin the captains having visited the flagship the squadron stood in the larger portion taking up a position opposite the town which they forthwith commenced bombarding while the rest were employed in landing troops at different points to co-operate with the turks and to distract the attention of the egyptians Suleiman pacha governor of beirut in spite of the shot and shell showered into his fortress held out bravely and fired away in return as hard as he could it was the first time the three midshipmen of the racer had been under fire but as she had not to take any very active part in the affair they voted it very slow work is this what you call fighting said jack it seems to me as if all the fun was on one side stay a bit my boy observed hemming this is only just the beginning of the game before many days are over perhaps we shall be at something which will make you cry out the other way at all events we have silenced them see 
up goes a flag of truce on the old castle exclaimed jack jack was right in his fact but wrong in his conclusions a boat was instantly sent on shore to inquire the meaning of the white flag she quickly returned to the flagship bringing the indian mail with a polite message from Solomon pacha assuring the admiral that he was not at war with individuals and that he should feel such satisfaction in forwarding all letters to and from india sir robert stopford himself so generous and polite was the very man to appreciate such an act of courtesy he therefore sent back the boat immediately with a case of wine warmly thanking the pacha and begging that he would accept it as a slight acknowledgment of his kindness this little episode over the belligerents began firing away at each other as hard as ever the pacha showed that he was as brave as he was courteous for in spite of all the cannonading he would not give in a short drama was however enacted which showed the midshipmen a little more of the realities of war an egyptian deserter came on board one of the ships and gave notice that a train of gunpowder had been laid along a bridge leading to the eastern castle in which was collected a large quantity of gunpowder with the intention of blowing up into the sky any of the besiegers who might succeed in entering the place the deserter offered to guide any party formed to cut off the train commander worth of the hastings undertook to accomplish the dangerous service and the number of officers and men volunteered to accompany him jack and murray and adair were among e others eager to go however it was not likely that more than one midshipman from the frigate would be allowed to accompany the expedition the morning of the day in which it was to take place murray had been sent with a message on board the hastings he came back with a flush on his cheek and a look of intense satisfaction on his countenance jack terence my dear fellows congratulate me i am to go w who has known me for some time has applied for me he did so in most flattering terms he said he wanted a midshipman who would be calm and collected whatever might occur and yet one on whose courage and resolution he could perfectly rely and he has selected me it is that he has spoken of me in such flattering terms that has given me so much pleasure i wish that you two fellows were going also i wish we were said jack but i congratulate you alex you'll do justice to w's choice that i know right well there will be more work to be done than when we attacked the pirate's stronghold the other day observed adair well i hope that my turn will come before long i don't feel as if i had any right to wear starch in my shirt collar till i've taken part in some real downright fighting jack and terence warmly shook murray's hand as he stepped into the boat which was to convey him on board the hastings i say old fellow don't now forget to come back to us safe and sound in life and limb cried terence laughing remember the fright i gave you and jack don't give him and me the same 
and we'll take care that pigeon does not malign your character in your absence away went murray to say that he was in a high glee would be to use a wrong term there was a calm satisfaction and proud joy in his heart at the thought that the time had arrived when he might have an opportunity of distinguishing himself in the noble profession he had chosen and to which he was so devoutly attached neither roger nor adair would have felt as he did yet in reality he was the bravest of all three because his mind was so constituted that he clearly saw all the dangers to be encountered and knew every risk he was running the expedition rendezvoused around the hastings the ships stood in as close as the depths of water would allow them and then opening their fire the boats shoved off and pulled away for the bridge which led to the castle as soon as they approached a heavy fire of musketry was opened upon them from the fortifications but in the face of it the men clambered upon the bridge and led by their gallant commander rapidly pushed across it jack and terence eagerly watched the progress of the boats through their telescopes their chief sympathy was concentrated on that which contained murray and his fortunes they looked upon him as a dear brother and in spite of their apparent light-heartedness they both felt the deepest anxiety for his safety in a very short time the whole party were hid from sight by the thick smoke which surrounded them murray with his brave companions in spite of the leaden shower which came pattering around their heads pushed on till they reached the spot where the train was laid a few buckets of water brought for the purpose quickly cut off the train then on they went to the gates of the castle they were not long in blowing it open in they rushed putting the defenders to flight who made their escape by the opposite gate rejoicing in the belief that the infidel besiegers would soon be blown up sky-high and become the food of ghouls and vampires they were sorely disappointed when they found that the castle did not blow up and that the guerriers had taken entire possession of it the english leader saw that no time was to be lost he and his men hunted about and soon came upon the casks of powder of which they were in search now my lads heave them over the walls into the sea he sang out setting the example which the men were ready enough to follow cast after cast were stuffed and thrown into the sea till some sixty or seventy casts had been destroyed sentries had been placed to give notice of the approach of the enemy notice was given that they were returning in force now my lads cried captain w we'll carry off some of these casks to pepper the fellows with their own powder the idea just suited the taste of the seamen each man shouldered a cask and fearless of the consequences should a spark of fire get inside one of them away they scampered through the gates and across the bridge with their booty as soon as the enemy caught sight of them they again opened their fire several of the daring party was hit the officers cheered them on the fire was hotter than ever 
one officer fell he was a midshipman the men rallied round him and lifting him up on their shoulders bore him on towards the boats he did not breathe or give sign of health who is it who is it was asked they reached the boats and shoved off for the egyptians were gathering in force to attack them jack and terence perched on the hammock nettings were looking out for the return of the expedition the frigate was close in and the boats had to pass her on their way to their respective ships one of the boats of the hastings came first the one in which mary had embarked a union jack was thrown over a part of the stern sheets who have you there asked jack not able to restrain his anxiety a midshipman sir who has been killed was the answer oh terence it must be murray exclaimed jack almost falling off the hammock nettings overboard and yet no it can't be it must not be who is he that shipman shouted jack but the boat was already at some distance and the people in her did not hear the question asked the report soon got about the decks that marie was killed jack and adair would have been gratified at hearing all the things said about him and the grief expressed at his loss still after giving vent to their grief for a time they began to hope that possibly he might not have been killed but only desperately wounded and they resolved to ask leave to go on board the hastings to ascertain the state of the case as they were going aft for that purpose a boat came alongside and in a few seconds afterwards who should appear on deck uninjured in limb and in capital spirits but murray himself who are you what are you where did you come from exclaimed terence scarcely knowing what he said why alick to a certainty you are dead are you not i hope not answered murray laughing at the reception of his two friends were giving him i have not been hit or hurt that i know of all right exclaimed jack springing forward and grasping his hand it would have been too dreadful if you had been killed unhappily one poor fellow of our party a midshipman l of the hastings was killed observed murray however let us promise each other for the future not to fancy that any accident has happened to those who are absent unless we have very strong evidence of the same agreed agreed the other two exclaimed whatever anybody else may tell us we all believe that we shall meet again somewhere or other and be happy together it is extraordinary what an effect the notion of the three midshipmen had taken up had on them if adair was away though perhaps on some far distant station jack frequently had to say that he did not know where he was to be found but he always added i am certain that we shall meet again before long what message shall i give him marie said much the same thing of jack or adair and they said the same of Murray. i cannot follow them through the various scenes of the war in syria while sir charles napier to his great delight was acting the part of a general on shore with some of his naval followers as his aides-de-camp they were employed on board their ship 
which with the rest of the squadron was engaged in sailing along the coast in cooperating with the army and in blowing up and capturing one fortress after another of those which still held out for mehemet ali now and then both blue jackets and marines landed and much to their satisfaction stormed the old pacha's strongholds and literally fulfilled charlie napier's promise of pulling the stones about the ears of his governors on one occasion success did not attend the british arms but as paddy adair observed it's an ill wind which blows no one good and here he had an opportunity which he had so long desired of distinguishing himself the fortress was a very strong one with a high thick walled tower which looked fully capable of defying the battle and the breeze for a thousand years the ship stood in with the intention of battering it down but after firing away for an hour or more little impression was made and it was resolved to endeavour to take it by storm jack had to stay on board greatly to his disgust and he did not say that he considered himself a most ill-used officer adair and murray accompanied the body of seamen who with the marines of the squadron and some mountaineers who had been taken on board along the coast were landed to form the storming party the grounds between the castle and the sea were laid out in gardens here a body of the enemy was drawn up the storming party landed to the south of the town covered by the fire of the ships which also cleared the gardens of the enemy the marines and bluejackets now pushed bravely on but encountered a terrible fire from the troops within the forts murray and adair were side by side scrambling over walls and leaping ditches and cutting through the hedges of perkly pears in spite of the showers of shot which rattled around their heads i say alec poets talk of genial showers i wonder what they would call the shower now rattling around us cried adair as he waved on his men a leaden shower i should think said alec not far wrong my boy but i'm afraid it will not make us grow though answered adair but i say the shot do pepper through they did indeed numbers of the marines and sailors were knocked over there's another poor fellow down cried adair stooping down to help up the man but his aid was of no avail a deep groan escaped from his bosom his musket fell from his grasp and he was dead adair with a sigh for the marine had been his servant let go his hand and sprang on in vain the british and their allies fired away at every loophole and embrasure where a man's head or firelock was to be seen the enemy rattled away as rapidly as ever and no impression seemed to be made on the walls while numbers of the storming party were falling one after the other around now a poor fellow would spring up into the air shot through the head and now would fall down with a groan and rolling over clutch convulsively at the earth 
one would utter a sharp shriek as he fell others with the blood streaming from their limbs would endeavour to scramble on till they sank with a cry of pain exhausted to the ground the midshipmen now began to comprehend more clearly than they had ever before done the stern realities of warfare they got within thirty yards of the wall when they found themselves in front of the crenelled outwork with a deep ditch before it in vain the officers looked for some part of the castle wall which might prove practicable not a spot appeared accessible and nothing but the ugly-looking muzzles of the enemy's muskets were visible through the loopholes most unwillingly was the command given to retire and most unwillingly was it obeyed i say murray i don't like this to have to turn my tail on those red-capped gentry exclaimed adair we must obey orders at all events observed murray steady my men steady he added as some of the sailors were turning round to take a parting shot at the foe the marines were drawn off in beautiful order and the whole party were soon out of the reach of the shot as they were pulling off murray and adair remarked that a flag which had been planted in the garden in front of the fort was left flying that will never do the enemy will be getting it cried adair i say alec let you and i go and see if we cannot pull it down and carry it off with all my heart answered murray let us put back at once we must ask captain a's leave as we pass his boat he will not refuse it i am sure the crew of their boat were delighted at hearing what the midshipmen had resolved to do and pulled back to the shore with a will as they passed captain a's boat adair sang out there's an english flag left flying on the shore there sir those red-capped fellows will boast that they took it from us if we let it stay may we go and get it the commander of the exhibition saw that if it was to be done no time was to be lost as the risk to be run would increase by delay or the egyptians might see the flag and sally out to and take it a brave idea go and prosper my lads he answered promptly thank you sir thank you answered murray and adair in one breath while the crew bent there with all their might to their oars oh alec said adair i do wish that roger was with us this is just the thing of all others he would have liked i wish he was indeed answered murray but i dare say something else will turn up before long in which he may be able to take a part the boat very soon reached the shore all the crew wanted to go on the expedition but the midshipmen would only consent to take one they had their cutlasses by their sides and pistols in their belts but their arms were not likely to be of much use the instant the boat's stem touched the beach they sprang on shore and running along the beach scrambled over the first wall they encountered and found themselves in the garden scarcely were they there when the sharp eyes of the enemy fell on them and they were saluted with a hot fire of musketry skip about dodge them fly here fly there take care they don't hit you sang out paddy suiting the action to the word 
the more we jump the less chance we shall have of being hit the midshipmen's movements as they hurried on were not unlike those of the wills of the wisp the enemy could not conceive what they had come for and probably supposed that they were madmen who had escaped on shore and were coming to join them for a short time the firing ceased as the smoke cleared off those on board the ship could see what was taking place as well as could the enemy every glass was turned towards them jack among others recognized his friends and saw what they were about they were not wrong in supposing that he would long to be with them he would have given a finger or even a right arm for the sake of being of their party on they went they had another wall to get over they climbed to the top of it the enemy at last suspected what they were about and came to the conclusion that if they were mad they had a method in their madness so they began once more furiously firing away at them eastern matchlocks are fortunately not like enfield rifles or their lives if they had nine like cats whom they so resembled in their activity would not have been worth a moment's purchase murray and adair raced on as merrily as if they had been playing a game of prisoner's base they clambered up a wall at top of which the flagstaff had been placed they waved it about their heads and giving a loud cheer down they leaped to the ground where their companion was ready to receive them happily they did so for the next moment a thick shower of musket balls came rattling across the spot they had left not hit alec asked adair as they scrambled back as hard as their legs would carry them no i hope you are not said murray can't say for a certainty answered terence i feel a funny stinging sensation in my side as if something or other was the matter whatever it was it did not impede his speed at length it seemed to strike the egyptians that though they could not manage to knock over the young guerriers with their matchlocks they might with their scimitars so a band of fierce-looking fellows with long mustachios wonderfully wide breeches and gleaming blades sallied out of the fortress to endeavour to overtake them the egyptians ran very fast and felt very savage but they might just as well have tried to catch three active tom-cats dick needham their companion was the first to perceive that the enemy was in pursuit of them there's a lot of them scampering after us sir he observed coolly all right answered terence their friends inside the fort then we'll be less likely to keep firing at us and i should like to see the followers of the prophet whether turk or egyptian who can match us in a fair race like this to them justice however the enemy made good play over the ground the outside garden wall was reached and leaped and now there were three adventurers had a fair run for it along the beach towards their boat with the red-capped gentlemen as adair called them in hot pursuit a long straggling branch of a tree had been thrown upon the beach adair did not observe it and suddenly he found himself toppled over on his head he thought that he had broken his leg 
take the flag and run alec he exclaimed throwing the flagstaff to murray never mind me i'm too much hurt to move not when i have a pair of legs to run off with you sir cried dick needham lifting patty upon his shoulders running off with him as if he had been a baby it was not for that sir that i'd come here to look after you patty felt that it was not a moment to stand on his dignity so he was very much obliged to dick for carrying him murray took the flag but would not leave him till he had seen him hoisted upon dick's shoulders away they went as before but the egyptians had gained considerably on them and hallooed and shouted and worse than all fired off their pistols with good as aim as they could take running as they were at full speed fortunately the bullets did not reach the fugitives just then the latter caught sight of their boat which they had left under a shelter of a rock the egyptians did not see her and so ran on which they otherwise would not have done what was their surprise then to find themselves saluted with a round of grape-shot from a gun in her bows and a volley of musketry while a true british cheer reached their ears dick and murray responded to it and so did paddy in a voice which showed that there was not much the matter with him and all three very speedily tumbled into the boat while the enemy turned tail and scattered back to the fort the boat immediately shoved off to return to the frigate what is the matter with you paddy asked murray as soon as they had taken their seats i hope you are not much hurt let me see my knee bothers me a little but my side is the worst answered adair and as i am a gentleman look here the fellows have shot away the handle of my sword such was the case adair had indeed had a narrow escape his coat was torn and his skin slightly grazed an eighth of an inch on one side and he would have received a very ugly if not a mortal wound happily he was very little hurt and the cheers from which the boat was received as she got alongside the frigate made him forget entirely that anything was the matter with him oh i'm so jealous of you two fellows exclaimed jack as they were all seated together in the berths you'll make me volunteer to lead a forlorn hope or to do something terrifically heroic however the fun is not yet over we shall have plenty more work to do before long the fun as jack called it was not over sidon was soon afterwards attacked by a squadron under sir charles napier in his usual slash dashed gallant determined to conquer manner the ships bombarded then the turks marines and bluejackets were landed and stormed one castle after another killing or putting to flight every one who opposed them jack murray and adair to their great delight were all on shore together the cannonading had not however driven the egyptians from their entrenchments so the ships again opened their fire captain austin at the head of the turkish battalion had taken one castle 
captain mansell with great gallantry led a body of marines into another and then they fought their way into another castle which overlooked the town not however without some loss and now the commodore conceived that the time had come for storming the town itself and putting himself at the head of the troops he led them on the three midshipmen with a body of seamen from the different ships were with him they broke into some strongly fortified barracks and drove out the enemy then they fought their way through the streets to the citadel several boats had brought their ensigns jack carried theirs at the end of a pole hurrah now he sang out let us have our colours on the top of the wall before any one else terence and marie echoed the sentiment and leading on some of their men they endeavoured to reach the spot before a boat's crew of their austrian allies led on by a midshipman as well as before other parties of british seamen never was there a better race no one felt inclined to stop at obstacles and everybody who attempted to oppose them was killed the governor of the town was encountered he was offered quarter but he would not receive it and before any officers could interfere two marines ran the brave old gentleman through the body and he died like a true turk as he was when the enemy saw that their chief was dead and that there was no one to lead them they wisely threw down their arms resolved like brave men to live and fight another day for a more profitable cause jack and his companions pushed on and having now fewer enemies to encounter made still greater progress the higher part of the town was reached with shouts and loud huzzas they scrambled up to the summit of the walls and planting the british banner sidon was proclaimed to have fallen into the power of the allies fortunately the commodore and his followers came upon a thousand men concealed in a vaulted barrack who were prepared to rush out and cut them off but who instead were very glad to lay down their arms and in the end every one of the garrison three thousand in number was captured tyr that ancient city was next captured so was kaffa tortosa and other places and at last the fleet appeared before acre still one of the most important places on the syrian coast here the midshipmen saw what real fighting was acre presented two sides to the sea one facing south and the other west in consequence of this it was necessary that the fleet should attack in two divisions it was a grand sight to see the mighty line of battle ships and the fine steamers armed with their engines of destruction in order the devout town and still more when they began thundering away from a thousand loud-mouthed guns confusing the senses with their oars and filling the air with their smoke even jack felt his spirits awed as hour after hour without cessation the mighty uproar continued and houses were overthrown and stone walls were seen crumbling away before the reiterated shocks of the iron shower levelled at them 
the enemy too were not idle and shots and shells came whizzing about the ships striking down here and there many a gallant seaman and marine well alec what do you think of it asked jack as in the course of their duty the two friends were brought together that we are in earnest in what we are about though i wish i could feel the poor fellows we are slaughtering deserve their fate more than i think they do answered murray i don't understand those niceties observed terence who had just then come up those fellows don't do what we tell them so we've a perfect right to kill and destroy them as fast as we can but hello what's that as adair was speaking a terrible noise ten times louder than the roar of all the guns of the squadron put together was heard and high up into the air were seen to ascend fragments of walls and beams and human bodies succeeded by a dense smoke out of which flames burst forth and raged furiously the castle had blown up or rather the grand magazine within it and in a moment nearly two thousand persons were hurried into eternity the firing ceased the combatants held their breath aghast at the terrible catastrophe but the egyptians undaunted soon again recommenced the action and the ships bombarded on as before till sunset when the action was discontinued what tough fellows those must be to hold out so long said jack i should have thought they would have had enough of it before this the governor had already come to the same conclusion and during the night he and his followers evacuated the place and in the morning some turks and austrians were sent on shore to take possession the capture of acre terminated the war in syria for many of the tribes which had been hesitating which side to choose chose the sultan's forces and the army of ibrahim pacha dwindled from seventy-five thousand to twenty thousand men sir charles napier went to alexandria and mehemet ali persuaded that the tide of war had turned against him undertook to evacuate syria and to restore the turkish fleet as soon as the sultan should send him a firman granting him the hereditary government of egypt everybody engaged in the syrian war got a great deal of credit and my three friends came in for a midshipman's share of the honours showered on the victors once more the racer was ploughing the waters of the mediterranean with her head to the westward she had been her full time on the station and it was the general expectation that she would speedily be ordered home hurrah for old england was the joyous cry on board and no one enjoyed the thoughts of returning home more than did the three friends and yet there was a lump of bitter in the bottom of the cup to spoil this pleasure it was the thought that in all probability they would soon separate for how long they could not guess perhaps years might pass away before they could meet again they resolved however to stick together if they could and at all events never to fail in letting each other know their whereabouts the racer reached portsmouth at last there was a paying-off dinner 
given by the midshipmen to the gunroom officers at the far-famed blue posts old hemming presided and a very good president he made the first course was over when the stumping on the stairs was heard and the waiter opening the door announced admiral triton jack sprang up and grasped his hand warmly i have taken the liberty of an old seaman to look in on you gentlemen on this occasion uninvited for i saw it just as you were all brought together and i was anxious to meet you again before all separate probably forever said the admiral who as may be supposed was most cordially welcomed after waiting for some time till the speech-making had begun you have had i am glad to find from my friends rogers a happy ship many of you will i hope some day be captains and let me impress it on you that on you yourselves will then mainly depend whether your ships also are happy ships or the reverse to make them so you must command your tempers you cannot begin too soon to practise the difficult task you must endeavour to study and promote the true interests of all under you and you must act justly towards all men to do this i must not fail to remind you that you must pray for strength whence alone strength for all difficult tasks can be given the admiral's speech in no way interrupted the hilarity of the evening and he added much to it by several amusing anecdotes at which no one laughed more heartily than he did the next day he accompanied jack to northamptonshire no one was ever more cordially welcomed in a happy home than was jack it need not be said that for at least three days everybody did their utmost to spoil him though after that time he was treated very much as he used to be before he became a midshipman End of chapter 7